0: Coming to you from Podcast Detroit. It's Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Please take a second to subscribe on iTunes. And for future episode information and additional content, head over to HerdPodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at (music) HerdPodcast. Welcome to H.E.R.D., your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to H.E.R.D. through the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, SoundCloud, or however you get your podcasts. If you want to go one step further, write a review and let us know what you think. We'd really appreciate it. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Vato. What's up? Jason. Hey, yo. And our special guest, a very talented photographer whose photos have graced the pages of our magazine, Edible Wow, and has worked with Eastern Market Corporation— Wayne State University, Chartreuse Kitchen and Cocktails, among others. Jacob Lukau, thanks for being with us. Hello, hello. Thank you very much. So, Jacob, let's get right into this. Kind of tell us how you uh, got into photography. Um, were you classically trained? Like, Did you go to college for photography? I guess my love for photography kind of started uh, West Bloomfield High
1: School. We had a great photo program, dark room, all that good stuff. That was kind of like where all the cool kids hung out, listened to music. Um, I was always kind of into art, whether it was drawing, painting, printmaking, uh, this, that, and the other. And photography had its own, you know, special merit and, uh, you know, visual appeal. Um, so I kind of took that to college at Kendall college, college of art and design in grand Rapids, um, where I studied photo for five years. Um, definitely learned a lot about how to talk about photographs and art as text and to dissect them and analyze them, um, How to have a career. That was a different story. It was art school. So I think that's kind of the common mantra among uh, grads from any art school. Um, However, uh, so upon moving back here from Grand Rapids, um, started working with Ara Harani, who has uh, quite the legacy in Detroit. His father was a master um, known for being the people guy in the 80s and 90s when everyone else was shooting auto um, so Ara has kind of carried down the torch, moved back from L.A. when um, Amin had a stroke and then uh, ended up passing away five years later. So Amin has, uh, or Ara has now um, taken on the business, and he's definitely a uh, talented and successful young man. Awesome dude as well, good friend. Um, so I worked with Ara for about six months, um, just doing kind of general studio stuff, working on a couple of shoots, and um, just Working in this amazing studio up in New Center on Grand Boulevard, which just is seeping with history, and I've heard of all the crazy parties um, that I need to as far as how his dad rolled. So, um, yeah, that was just a really cool energy to be around, but as far as a free internship, it kind of ended up didn't didn't pan out as far as uh, making the commute down from West Bloomfield every day. So, that um, ended up turning me back to having to make money, so... My sister, who um, her and I both have a lot of coffee experience since my dad has owned Cappuccino Man since 1993. Um, it's a mobile espresso catering business out of West Bloomfield. Uh, so we have years and years of uh, coffee resume experience to show. So uh, she got me a job as a barista over at Plum Market in West Bloomfield. Within a couple of months there, uh had a pretty freaky experience. Um, how to paraphrase this, it's always kind of tough. Um, you shivered in that. <laughs> you know, it's, no, it's crazy. Uh, never want to have to relive it, really. Uh, I basically, I uh, had to do CPR on a guy, and it was probably one of the scariest things to watch another human being uh, losing their life, just like you know, seeing blue veins creeping in on someone's face. Anyway. This is at Plum Market? Yeah, yeah. Someone uh, had fallen, and no one really knew what had happened, whether it was a stroke or um, choking or – aneurysm, whatever. This dude was on his face um, making convulsive noises. So the man that uh, kind of screamed to call 911 was standing there like freaking out kind of not really knowing what to do. And we're looking at each other like well, okay. Um, This is kind of it. I mean time was just ticking so slowly so I don't know. push Push kind of came to shove and it was just like what do I do? Ninth grade health class, Annie doll. Here we go. So I just kind of jumped in and yeah, it was really crazy. Um, kind of got an immediate little cough out of him. Not, not conscious, but, um, enough to kind of, I guess, keep the oxygen flowing. Um, and then crazy enough CPR, uh, or, uh, EMS came, um, about four minutes later, which seemed like an eternity. Um, I ended up back behind the coffee counter, weighing out coffee beans, and finishing out my shift. After that, after they took him out on a stretcher, and I had no idea whether this man was going to live his life. Thanks, Plum Market. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, yeah, I don't. Don't get me. Don't get me going. Um, so, three weeks later, uh, a guy and his wife walk in. I had no idea who he was because I did not recognize him. He asked me if I'm Jacob, and yes. So uh, we we sit down. After he tells me who he is and I kind of tell him everything because they have no idea what happens, uh, what what happened um, at all. They knew that, you know, someone called and they took him away and I was the first responder, I guess. So, um, yeah, it was pretty emotional holding hands with his wife and her looking at me in the eye and telling me I saved their family and a father and yada, yada. It was really intense. Um, Yeah. and, And here I am just like this dude that graduated from art school and had to get a coffee shop job (laughs) so it's true
2: baristas can save the world
1: (laughs) (laughs) through latte art as well Mm. (laughs) um so yeah no that was uh was pretty wild they they kind of asked me about me and my story after all that and kind of told them you know kendall photography that's kind of what i want to do and not not happening at the moment so they're Happened to be good friends with two uh, veterans in Detroit uh, in the commercial photography industry, um, both amazing in their own respect, uh, Jim Hefner and Joe Vaughn. And then within two weeks, I get a call. I think it was from Carrie, his wife, uh, Joe's wife, saying that they needed a secondhand on set for an ad agency for a a large corporation uh, that made nonstick pants. Um, so that was my first experience on a big commercial sh- set um, with lots of lights and a, a slew of props and stylists and other assistants that were kind of just telling me to keep my mouth shut and observe and be, be there when I'm needed. Um, I got the smack down when I uh, raised, raised my hand and uh, noted that there was a clove of garlic in another room that we could use as a prop just cause I wanted to be extra helpful. But you know, it's, better to just you know neck down mo that don't they don't need you as a creative cuz there's already enough of those in the room uh so they just want you to kind of help out and be a second pair of
0: hands and labor was that was that your first experience with food photography absolutely yep and really. so you you've kind of created a niche for yourself like you do a lot of food photography now right the market in detroit
1: i don't feel um is able to sustain any one niche uh, unless you're doing automobiles. Um, I have to diversify between shooting food, food uh, product, people, lifestyle, and everything in between. But um, there's, there's a sense of fun that comes along with that. I think in other markets, you kind of have to stick to one thing and make that what you do all day long, whether it's liquid suspended in motion or you know black and white photos with a, a hard light against a wall you know um so that's what's kind of fun about this market we're all kind of forced to diversify but also brand uh ourselves in a, in such a way that we're kind of cohesive in in one way or another if that makes sense
0: so as a so you're a photographer but in you would say like in a different market uh maybe a larger market or one that could sustain these kind of niche you you would be a food photographer or a like a commercial photographer more than you are is this more like a general practitioner in detroit kind of situation so
1: I find myself having to explain um to not someone like yourself who understands um the industry but you know t- to someone on the street that what I do is commercial and editorial I don't do really a lot of consumer type uh, events or weddings or things like that but It's more advertising, branding, marketing on one end for commercial, and then editorial would be anything that goes to print publication, whether it's more of a a Crane's Detroit Business Journal or something a little bit more pretty like a TBD magazine, which is a new publication that just came out in November.
3: See the billboards everywhere, yeah, for that TBD. The cover
2: was great. That was you did the bespoke suit. Yep, that was issue two. Yeah, Yeah, Nelson's a good friend of mine. Thank you. They do a good job over there. Mm.
3: How much how much creative control are you having now from your interning days early on, or like your your start at the at the shoot where you're told kind of shut up? And now that you're at the helm, do you see yourself uh, changing the landscape a little bit where you're having more creative control and maybe the people around you you're allowing them more input?
1: I think um, you know, as they say, teamwork really makes the dream work, and you know when it comes to you know, what you asked about going from intern to where I'm at now, I'm finding myself having to be a lot more of a creative director than I ever envisioned having to be. Sometimes you'll get direct client work where it's a client with a very dated look and they don't have an agency or a design firm or someone that they're working with on a look and a feel and a mood and and a tone they want to take with their brand forward. So I'm kind of forced to, show them a lot of samples, see what they like, what resonates with them and having to kind of do a lot of extra work and not just, you know, light something and shoot it. It's a lot about, um, kind of, kind of feeling out of someone's company and
3: it's a good thing you have an art background, right? I mean, sure. And I think the more I work with
1: art directors and creative directors, the more I can kind of get in their heads and how they take these approaches and, and get to know the brands a little bit before they can execute any sort of visual or, you know
3: you, anything other do you feel that you've changed uh not you've changed but you've changed for the perspective of like the folks that are with you assisting you you're letting them have a voice that you didn't have when you were younger
1: absolutely um you know i'm i'm all about getting a second pair of eyes on what i'm shooting or you know i am definitely not perfect in when i shoot even though i take my time um it's really easy to miss something and that's that's why on a commercial set, when you don't have a ton of time to mess around, um, that's why you have a wardrobe stylist and a prop stylist and a food stylist and all those different people all the, doing all these different things um, so that you can focus on just making it good and technically sound.
0: In terms of uh, all of these people you work with and the kind of um, large-scale projects that you work on, um, if I feel like photography has kind of taken this path of like uh, – like democratization, like there's, it's really easy to buy a camera. It's really – and they're fairly inexpensive now, right? And under the right circumstances, almost anybody – and I don't want to say anybody, but almost anybody can take a really good photo, right? Um, what, you're, what you're kind of describing is like this, l- this larger overarching vision that I feel like an amateur photographer or even someone who goes into a restaurant, for example, and says, I'm a photographer, I can shoot your – you know, I guess you'd ate dishes for you for fifty uh, cents. <laughs> yeah, fifty for, cents. I'm gonna undercut everybody or, here or for free food for fifty or just, cents. Or just feed me, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> you know, there, there's or no pay at all, right? So, what do you say to a place like, with all this in mind, like they, that say, like, you know, my oh, my cousin can do this for us. Like, do you ever have to make that argument?
1: Absolutely, it's all about um, you know letting. Letting the work speak for itself, which is hard enough to get someone to sit down and look at it. Um, plenty of people can claim to be food photographers and this, that, and the other with X amount of experience.
2: Or li- or little experience, none.
1: Right, yeah. That's- which,
2: like Joe and I were talking about earlier, I mean, isn't necessarily their fault. I mean society after the recession, millennials are – being you know bombarded with this message that they've got to build their own brands and be out there doing things they can't count on the old model of getting a job working there for 30 years you got your 401k your pension whatever like everybody's out for themselves these days if you're a young person right?
3: do they even make portfolios anymore or you just carry around an ipad and it'd be like here you go flip through and I, I have like a portfolio at home and i was going through it one day and i was like why do i even freaking have this like, who cares? it's a totally
1: valid question actually. Yeah. Uh, I think people take it seriously when they can see someone taking the time to put it into print and make decisions like the stock and the gloss and you know, because a lot of times it is going through another process. I think it's important to see how you would envision that, you know, from from beginning to end whether it's a piece of art on the wall or a promo.
2: So that kind of gets to the question of like Given that the given those uh, given the situation with everybody being able to get a camera and take pictures, and so like, what does it mean to be a photographer in in this situation? And what differentiates a professional photographer from guy with camera? You know, like I had the opportunity to work with Joe Vaughn a little bit just at the Sugar House and or observe him work, not me work with him, but observe him work. And to me, after watching that over an extended period of time. I was like, okay, that's a photographer. I mean I've got a camera. I can take pictures. If I take enough pictures, I'm going to get a couple that look pretty good I think and, and that makes me happy and certainly you know, my job as well. But I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm a professional photographer or even a photographer. Like I'm a guy with a camera that enjoys photography but so many people are marketing themselves as photographers. What does that, what does that even mean? Or what does it mean to be professional in that, in that situation?
1: Well, he makes some pretty images. For well, thank you, uh, a self-proclaimed amateur. Um,
2: I mean, know, I credit Joe Vaughn with the pro tips.
1: Yeah, Joe's been at it since he was twenty, um, and he also has a business mind. Um, yeah, once you know, he, he's been through the film days and and been kind of through. At all, people only think he shoots food, but um, yeah, you know, the guy can handle pretty much any commercial shoot that's thrown at him that's not insanely technical in which case he can bring in his brother um jay who's this lighting guru learned from alan davidson um who's over at dayspace studios he's basically one of the only rental studios in the detroit area it's right here in uh royal oak over on nakoda in that uh industrial area um alan is an awesome dude and uh yeah, I think it's great that he's providing that as a service to, you know, the industry here. It's a pretty small market, and it's not really a renters market. So when there is a big shooter that comes into town, they need pro photo certified renters, and there's not that many. You got to go to Livonia over at Procam, or I don't even know where else. Maybe DPL over in Farmington. You don't um, shoot film anymore, do you? I do. When I travel, it's kind of a fun fun little personal thing um, i also have a couple weird little quirky cameras do you
3: like pinhole stuff or you do you like uh what like uh some of the light you know coming in on the exposure
1: um kind of not stuff, pinhole or? but um i have have two 35mm cameras one of them is a uh a stereo camera it's a kodak so it's uh, it's meant to be viewed as a 3d image um so it, t- it requires a special slide viewer um, It has two different lenses that shoots kind of at the same width as the human eyes but at a slight angle inward so you're creating that parallax so um those are always really cool when they turn out so
3: you're doing that for fun when you're doing your your work with the restaurants the bars and stuff like that. everything's digital oh yeah absolutely yeah when did you switch from film to digital do you know well i mean pretty much college i was
1: doing both because i had access to Not only a black and white darkroom, but a color darkroom, which was very rare. Um, That's definitely one of the cool things I'll give Kendall credit for. Um, Yeah, it was a different beast, uh, printing color photos, um, kind of dialing in each cyan, um, magenta, yellow, and black. And um, yeah, it's definitely not as easy as black and white, where it's just kind of applying different filters and times. So that was really cool.
2: Well, what's the – I mean, we keep saying commercial, and we're talking about – I hear some people say, "Well, if you get paid for it, that makes you a professional." Like,
3: well, I, I've always said that if you, at least for me, if you are if if the majority of your income has been from this gig, then it's professional. If you get paid here and there, and you're good at it, you're semi pro. If you just walk around and like you take pic- shitty pictures with your phone, you're an yep. amateur guy with a camera.
2: Well, yeah. I'm just. I'm curious. I like to explore this idea because you know we've got. I mean, well, you, you you went to art school. You're learning photography, and then you're like, well, maybe art school students don't get like the business side of it. Then you got to figure out the business side of it. And then businesses have to figure out, you know, how does content creation work into the business model of, you know, what it is advertising. I mean, Instagram is basically advertising, as we all know. Although we're selling now, like, food as lifestyle, or all these different things, but we're still promoting what we've got there. So how do we, how are we, uh, you know, creating content day in, day out? Um, you know, what is the value of that? How do we figure out?
3: What what do we claim in our taxes is maybe the answer, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think these things are fluid things. I mean, these things are, as these platforms are constantly evolving and society's evolving, that's what I'm trying to get at. It's like, you know, people are out here, Making money,
3: right? But you know, if if, if the only thing I claim in my taxes is photography, sure, then I should consider myself a professional photographer. That's the only thing I claim.
2: So, but do they do commercial work? Like, let's—if you were—if you only shot pictures professionally, paid for social media accounts, you don't need to put as much work into taking pictures for Instagram in most um, instances, I think, as you would have to do for like a heavy-duty commercial shoot. Or correct me if I'm wrong, that's why we're in this not, Yeah, I would
1: say not necessarily because pretty much anything you're doing for a company that's hiring you is going to be unlimited usage, which means they're going to be wanting to use that in any way possible, whether it's in print for an internal brochure or as an Instagram post that they you know, pull from a library every two weeks and you know post something on, on Instagram. It's um, just as much advertising as it is a billboard honestly
3: and the with the quality of it of what you can get from a variety of things your phone versus a you know huge megapixel mega, mega, mega camera uh i mean it, it's uh so hard to differentiate between uh you know the styles and and uh can i be a professional only shooting with my phone i think i can I would if, say yes let, and no. Um,
1: right, right. I it, mean, depending it, on the type of photography, if you're doing yeah. long exposure, night exposure, night, star trails and stuff, obviously that's not shot on an iPhone 7. Um, Yet. Sure. Exactly. All right. However, if it is a certain type of uh, photography where it's just, you know, food shot from above in natural light and it's, you know, people around a table or whatever, um, you know, I guess that can be shot on a on – a, phone or galaxy, you know, you're right. The phones are getting better. However, I still think, you know, for those that have an eye for it, you can kind of tell the difference. And that's why Instagram was really sad for me because it started as this fun project that I could, you know, have this camera in my phone at all times and just pull it out when I saw something on the street that kind of inspired me. And that's what brought me to photography just shooting weird little stuff on this, uh, you know, plants growing out of cracks on the street, whatever, textures um if you go on my my personal instagram it's at j j l e w k o w um it's a lot more this kind of abstract series of just observations whether it's shadows or lights or uh pattern stuff like that that's again kind of the stuff that drew me to photography as a visual art form um and then you know once pro shooters started putting their DSLR photos on Instagram that was kind of the the can of worms for everyone it was like well now you got to use this as a marketing platform for yourself and and it is a really nice way to share recent work but it it becomes a second job it's you're you're having to think about the content you're putting out there you know the copy along with the photos and you know it's it's time consuming and then you got to figure out when to post and I don't know. It's it's a little daunting. I'm just kind of just want to make pretty pictures sometimes and not worry about all that
0: shit. We're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll talk more about Instagram and how it's affecting uh, photography world. Hey, welcome back to Herd, Your Food, Beverage, and <laughs> Hospitality Podcast. Uh, so uh, we're with Jacob Blue Cow, uh, photographer. We we're just talking about Instagram before the break, and we're gonna continue talking about it uh, in light of this uh, article that just came out on Eater earlier in the week the article is called instagram food is a sad sparkly lie or how influencers transformed eating from an activity into an aesthetic and the kind of the, the thesis of the article uh, as i saw it was kind of this uh, i mean we've all seen these photos of these incredible looking burgers or these I, ice cream filled I donuts shot yeah. don't hate i should um, and, and these are these are burgers that have like eight patties and like sixteen slices of cheese, and, and like no one's eating these things. Or, or the other side of the article is someone I don't know, use like uh, who's that Jenner, like Kylie Jenner, whoever the hell it is. Like she's posing with a uh, with a
2: oh Paris Hilton,
0: Paris Hilton no. posing with like Carl a Carl's Jr. cheeseburger you know or something like that. I
2: read the article, bro. Um, and um, uh, boom. And so the the also arg- I love cheeseburgers. So that. Delver, I do
3: love Carl's Jr., but they don't. I mean, Hardee's is not
0: Carl's
2: Jr. I don't care but so
0: the thing is, like when when we post food, like shots on the hungry dudes, like we consume at least seventy five percent of it. No, yeah, take it's more it than that. Or, well, right, well, yeah. But I mean, we're not just posting a a, a photo of something and not eating it, right? Um, and I know or drinking. Uh, it. And so this whole influencer type of uh, aesthetic that is happening is like. Jason, you you refer to it as like the fear of missing out, right? Like you, you want to be seen with this ice cream filled donut or the unicorn frappuccino. Right. Um, so Jacob, like from your perspective with just shooting, you're shooting photos for restaurants. Like you're not shooting them. You want them to be enticing, but you don't like, you also want that. Like people are eating this food, right?
1: Yeah. I think, um, a really common misconception nowadays is that food photography, whether it's commercial or editorial, um, requires some sort of
3: plasticity or Hollywood or... Like the glue and the, uh, you know, for the uh, cheese, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, back in the day, whether it was, you know,
1: pre-strobes or pre-digital, um, they were using hot lights in studios and they didn't, you know, you look back through old old food photography from, you know, back then and it was, you know, warm, light, front lit, not, not exactly the most delicious looking uh, stuff. So I think, you know, Everyone has gone towards this more natural light look and um
3: Well I think what one thing that people don't don't get, like the average public citizen doesn't get is that food dies. Right? Like you put a dish out. That dish, from the moment that it's cooked to the moment that it gets your plate to the moment that it gets in front of your Instagram camera or a professional camera, it has a shelf life that uh if you miss that window of time, it looks like crap. It looks horrible, and then so maybe you got to spritz, you got to put a little you know olive oil on it, and a spritzer, or maybe a little bit of water. Or you got to bounce a little light off it, but you're you're not manipulating it too much. Um, and but if you let it go for a long time, like some people do, like everyone always questions me, like why do you always take a picture of your food? You know, it uh, gets sent to a table. You take a picture of it, and you don't get a chance to eat it while it's hot. Well, I try to take a picture really quick i'll edit it later on my phone and then I'll post it uh, maybe uh, towards the end of the meal something like that right uh, a lot of people don't realize that if you wait till later on you know I have, you have a few bites and then you get a you close up blah 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 the food's dead right I mean you have the studio experience has to be a little bit different than the editorial experience as it relates to shooting and and the, and the the death of food. I mean, cocktails are the same way, right? A cocktail can, uh, um, yeah. you know, you start off with this nice frothy beverage and it's been shaken properly and blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, yeah, the it air
2: can- dissipates, it dies, it goes flat. I mean, you know, the, the glass will get um, condensated. So where at first it's perfect and all of a sudden now you're catching all these beads of, you know, moisture all around the glass. But, you know, I don't, again, like going back to this idea of like Instagram and things being, you know, a lot of this stuff is, what's the, do you really need it to be super professional to post a picture of food on Instagram? I mean, obviously not if a lot of people can now come in and take these pictures and you're posting them and it's like, as long as you're sort of just like capturing the gist of it, I would say that if like a person who's been technically trained looked at, did like a technical photography audit of a lot of pictures, they'd find a lot of things wrong with them. So it's not, again, this goes back to the question of like, everybody's a photographer, but how many people are professionals? You know, it's like, you can pick up a camera, take a picture, post it. If it looks like it's kind of DSLR-y, like, oh, cool, you know, but does that make it a great picture? Is there composition? Is there light? Is there, you know, by a professional standard? I don't know. I think to
3: your question, though, for like Jacob, I think that if someone like Jacob or You know, I'm several, uh, you know, rungs the ladder below you, but someone like us or a a photographer, like a photographer, someone you know is a photographer who like, oh, I would pick this person to shoot my food. We have to have our Instagram pictures to be higher quality than the average person, because if we post something that looks shitty, someone's going to be like, dude, that's out of focus. Dude, that lighting is wrong. What did you do here? Like, and then the restaurant or the the play or the bar or whatever is going to be like. This is a representation of what you know. My my stuff is right. We're at, we're set at a higher standard because we do it all the time. Versus the average Joe who goes into Red Robin and was like, "Oh, I like my burger." You know, if it were me
1: um, that owned the restaurant, you know, there would be no middle ground. It would be either me taking shitty photos of food, not knowing what I was doing in awful light, or I'd be you know investing in someone that would. Be doing the job just like you would hire someone to do your electricity or your air conditioning
3: on IG Instagram, right? For, um, for every for everything you are saying, right? Photography just assets, photography, yeah,
1: not just Instagram.
3: What do you think of the restaurants that have the photo booths like set up like the tents so that people can take their plate in there and like weird? It is weird, but in this day and age of social media, where like Instagram's king, is it that's not an experience though? You're you're taking you're taking I, the experience out that. of it. I mean, it is an
0: experience, I guess, to take your food to a
3: no. I, I get like, that. But I mean it's for the restaurant itself. Well, ninety percent of your your restaurants has the experience. If 10% wants to take it and take a good picture of it, is that a bad thing?
1: A lot of time you like to see context, um, not just the food itself, but right. what's the table it's sitting on? Are we in a booth setting? Are we outdoors? Are we on a patio or are we in a dark bar?
0: So so this this brings up the point in the, the, the this article with this influencer kind of marketing where the food is placed not just in some like you know, not in a perfectly set table or something like that. It's like in the element of having fun. Does it even matter at that point if the food's eaten or is it, it's all about the, where the food is placed at that point. Right. So if it's in someone's hand, like, Oh, here's my, here's my ice cream cone. But I took, you know, took 10 shots to, it was like a five minute thing to shoot the ice cream cone and now it's melted. I'm not going to eat it, Throw it away.
1: Right. Again, the article mentioned that for sure. Um, it's really sad how, how much gets wasted already in the food industry. Um, whether it's catering companies or just, you know, restaurants in general. So I try and, you know, if I'm shooting editorial and I know that I want to shoot a large spread of food, the factor of food dying and having to eat something cold, you know, it's, it's horrible. But at the same time, I'm not here to eat. I'm here to
3: work. And, um, because you're getting paid. But if you're exactly Instagramming it, then you, you want to eat your hot food. And, mm. you know, uh, I don't know. We all ha- It's just the way it is. We all feel a need to shoot our food. Fu- I mean, not all of us, but all of us that are in the industry feel a need to shoot our food and express it. Especially us like the Hungry Dudes. We want to shoot our food and we want to put it out. And I've changed. So now, like, I'll take a quick pick and I'll eat it and I'll edit it later. And if I eat it and I don't like it, I don't fucking post it.
2: I think the article got two things, sort of conflated two things. There's – they really talk about how – which we kind of talked about with the ginormous foods, this idea of the spectacle, which is something that we see – again, it's more of a societal thing, politics, news. Spectacle is something that is just a part of life these days. You know, It's 24-hour news um, uh, schedule and awareness – or I'm sorry, like attention is so small these days that you've really got to like – Break through the noise to get somebody to capture somebody' attention. So there's the spectacle of all these bizarre. I'm sorry, things. what are
3: you? You were talking about attention. I was looking at my Amazon. Exactly, <laughs> it's, it's Prime Day. I can't. <laughs>
2: Boom, tension. There it is. So there's spectacle, um, which they kind of talk about. Uh, but then there's the idea of this influencers, which you know the influencer sort of model is based off of trying to break through or essentially commodify trust. So brands, people are. Finding in this day and age that they don't trust brands as much if I post something from a business. So the idea is that influencers can commodify that trust by saying, because Vato's over here on. Uh, Amazon, he's reading all the reviews, even on Prime Day. He's like, oh, my God, this has got 4.8 stars, and this is what people said about it. So now I trust, even though I've never met these people, I trust this product because Amazon has told me this. So the influencers are uh, essentially capitalizing on providing that trust to businesses. But that model is still in its infancy, and I don't know if it's a model or a a fad, a trend, because it hasn't existed long enough for people to see the long-term value in – Again, if you're promoting this fear of missing out and personally what I kind of see is like all the, in a market like Detroit which is kind of a smaller market and everybody's sort of coalescing around like like this food niche there's only so many and everybody's going to the same places and always has to be the first one at the next place and the next place and the next place so what is the point of grabbing that initial trust or attention or influence when it's fickle and that influence is going to be gone the next you know, two weeks, three weeks, a month from now. So that was kind of one of the things that I know would have dug a little bit deeper into the article.
1: I, I liked how it um, kind of refuted the whole idea and, and that whole FOMO thing. It's like am I really missing out on eating some shitty rainbow cake that probably has so many chemicals in it that I will die five years sooner at least – um there's a lot of you
2: gotta pay for that privilege
1: right no and and the time that's involved in baking each one of those colored cakes like oh god i don't even want to know but uh there's a lot of spectacle wowness that's definitely involved in food culture nowadays whether it's gimmicky instagram cake pops what have you or if you're at a fine dining restaurant or small plates establishment, modern American fare, what have you. (laughs) Uh, They are definitely putting more uh, emphasis on visual more than ever. Nowadays. Um, I think it all needs to be backed up with flavor though. Um, You can't, you can't just make something look pretty and have it taste like nothing or like crap.
3: Oh, and and there's also a, uh, a story that we haven't really, well, went into too much but a a food photographer such as yourself or a photographer who does food uh, such as yourself uh, has probably come across as I have where you have uh, restaurants who have no idea about styling because no one offered styling in cooking school or no one offered styling throughout their careers and they put out like a meatloaf and this meatloaf had has, uh, it's just covered in gravy, right? Oh, and are I'm, you shooting for Denny's? <laughs> no, you know what? This is, I'll tell you, this is when I was shooting for Metro Mix, and I went out to this restaurant in South Lyon and I was like, what is your, uh, what is your number one thing that fucking customers love all the time? And they're like, oh man, it's this mile meatloaf. So I'm like, sweet, let me shoot it. So they bring out this meatloaf and it's covered in gravy. And I'm like, you know, if I shoot that, I'm going to look like an asshole because, uh, people are going to be like, this is a horrible shot. You know, how could you take such a horrible shot? Well, it's really the chef who doesn't know how to fucking style the food. So I was like, you know what? Uh, maybe we'll do a cross-section of this. And you know what the chef does? He comes out and hands me a knife. And I was like, all right, you're a dick. But <laughs> if I don't cut this and clean the plate myself, I'm going to have to take a bad shot. So I cut it in half. I took half the meat, threw it on another plate, cleaned the plate up. And I took uh, – it ended up being a really, really nice shot. But, you know, the chef didn't know any better. The GM didn't know any better. The restaurant owner didn't know any better, and so they suffer for that, right? And as a photographer, you're coming into this game and they are like, "Hey, I'm gonna, uh, you know, we're we're known for our wings," and they give you this completely, uh, you know, plate of orange wings, and there's no contrast, there's no, there's no green in there, can there's we have no a sprig of parsley in here, right? Can you can I get something to to counterbalance this? And and the photographer is is forced to be this artistic, creative director who's going. Um, you not realize that this is not pleasing to the eye, and when you put it out to customers, and it doesn't matter how much they enjoy it, they're going to look at it and go, "Okay, this is just as good as uh, you know Applebee's buffalo wild wings."
1: I mean, we're we're put in this dilemma all the time of of being authentic to what we're actually buying and eating, uh, and also making it beautiful. Um, you know, one one shoot that comes to mind for some reason is Matz's hamburgers over in uh, Southwest Detroit. They're known for their sliders and their breakfast croissant sandwiches. They're delicious. They're not the prettiest things. Um, but, you know, you don't have to necessarily make, you know, polish dirt into a piece of gold. It's, it is it is what it is. And if you can kind of at least make it an interesting photo, there's, there's ways to kind of work around that, whether it's putting it in someone's hands, shooting it with a dynamic composition and some condiments by it or –
3: that's where the uh, art school comes in. You have this com- composition aspect. So what w- we say, like in the beginning of the episode, we're like, most people can be photographers because we have great cameras now on our phones. We have inexpensive DSLRs that we can have. But not everyone has this eye. Not everyone has this composition background. Not uh, everyone understands contrast or color or shadows. Everyone wants to use their frigging flash on food. And, and that's like, I, you know, I... I'm I'm not a professional. I'm a semi pro or you know, high end amateur and I haven't used anything but natural light on food. Uh I think almost since the day I started shooting food.
2: Well, you gotta uh, use it when it's there. Yeah, totally. Um what the fuck was I gonna say?
1: I found myself uh recently in a situation where I was shooting at a high end restaurant in, in Dearborn. It's um the name is escaping me. It's in the the old Hyatt Regency uh, Hotel. The the night. Uh, it's Italian. Well, oh, the,
3: the hotel is called the Night Something now. Like,
1: a- um, it's not Edison's. That's over. Mm. And, uh, anyway, totally dark in there, and as you know, it's nice to have some sort of directional, large, soft light, whether it's natural or not. Um, but it was, yeah. Um, I, I went to kind of move um, one of their overhead. Um, iridescent lights, and it was one of those old 90s fixtures where the the wire was live. So I crossed the wires with the other one, and the whole circuit never the, the went Never out. crossed the
3: streams. <laughs>
1: yep. So um, luckily I had my little speed light in my kit and um, my little wireless trigger for it. So I just knocked it off the side of a wall. And,
3: and to go well, back to you, Jason, that's something that an amateur or semi-pro... Or a garden variety person who's going up and like, hey, I'm dating the chef uh, and I'm a photographer. Let me shoot your stuff. This is something that a pro would figure out. Yeah. A pro would know what to do in these situations where you're like, "Uh, I want to shoot natural light. I can't shoot natural light. Okay, everything here is showing yellow. I can't shoot fucking yellow or I can't get this because I'm crossing streams and – you know, the, the yeah. State I mean, I think that's that's, me and.
2: that's kind of what I was getting at. I was like, you know, what makes professional, professional? is it an attitude. It's definitely, obviously, the results. I mean, we've heard oh, or attitude. I'm, I'm pro all the yeah. Day. You're. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're taking money, giving over, you know, a folder of thirty pictures, and you know, ten percent of those are usable, and you're then you have some excuse about why you can do it. Cause if you're a professional, you'd make sure that they're all great, right? You'd go to those lengths, you'd know those tricks. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get at, I guess is Absolutely. we're just exploring that, you know, like that's your mentality when you go in there, like you bring a professional attitude to photography. You're not just a guy with camera who can take 500 pictures and call 30 out of them and sell them for whatever. Sure. You know? And
1: I think a lot, a lot of that does come with the, experience i gained in my assisting whether it was you know just joe or uh, the handful of other photographers i've been able to assist over the years being on set observing photographers problem solving um there's no handbook there's you know a lot of stuff on the internet but really you're not going to learn unless you do and until you're the one that's the pair of hands that's moving the light and tweaking it two inches to the right and another two inches to the right oh no back one inch it's you learn all of those subtle nuances make all the difference
2: Well, let me ask you this how many because we were talking in the break about I think about things a lot of times in terms of markets and then there's you know supply and demand obviously there's a large demand for this content people need content for Instagram they need it for Facebook all these different social platforms there's you know stay relevant so as a photographer as a professional photographer And I'm not even sure. This is a smaller market. So how many professional photographers are serving this market and is that – given that now anybody can be a photographer, quote-unquote, and provide a lot of these images, you think that with more demand, your service would be more in demand. But have you seen that –
3: Restaurants are calling you Yeah. bars are calling you.
2: Are you seeing that? Are you seeing growth – in that, or, or is that really hurting the professional photographer to have a bunch of people with cameras running around offering services?
1: Instagram has forced professional photographers to s- step up, separate ourselves, and find new ways to stay relevant and prove ourselves, prove our, prove our value, prove our worth, and show that we, we are a different breed than, you know.
3: You have to because if somebody has a daily special and they want you to shoot the special, you can't come in and be like, okay, I'm going to set up and do this and that. You got to come in quick, right when the you know the chef comes in at four o'clock or whatever and puts it out for the for the uh, wait staff to see. Maybe you're shooting that and you're posting it instantly. Right. That's the kind of situation where you'd have
1: a little bit more of a retainer situation with a yeah. restaurant, uh, a, a tight business relationship where you can be on call and and understand that that's kind of the nature of it however you know with time and uh, you know trying to just juggle all of the work um it just makes more sense to do more than one
3: yeah if plate they, at once yeah but if they want a social media platform that's pushing out like here here's our special for the night and they don't want to put out a bad looking dish they want to have someone like you on retainer and say hey i want to bring you in every night at four o'clock we're going to shoot this or you or somebody that you trust that's on your team. Going to bring you in, and we're going to shoot this at four o'clock every night. You guys going to be responsible for pushing it out, or maybe you have a, a social media team that's responsible, who's tied in with the restaurant that's going to push it out.
2: We'll just to be clear: you don't do social media; you just provide the images, Correct. the content. Yeah. And,
0: oh, and huh? the, and this is, I, I think, what you're getting at, and I think this is an important point: is this larger issue of planning? Yeah. That um, that so many places don't do now, because w- with this. Instagram influencer movement—it's really easy to, and, and I imagine fairly inexpensive to call up an influencer, you know, have them come by, give them some food, and shoot a shoot a, a shot or two, give them a hundred bucks or something like that, or whatever it might—I don't know what the cost is—and have them post to their fifty thousand followers, right? And it's short-lived, as as we said before, it's got a very short lifespan. It's not—it's not the same as investing in photos, Jacob, which is what you know, what you're providing. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking tra- about the restaurant itself. Oh, I, I know. And what but
3: I'm no, saying I get what is, you're saying. Yeah, though. Like, there's Jacob no larger would post, plan. Jacob would post on his own page this as no, an influencer.
0: No, no, no. I'm saying like there's no larger plan in terms of like so they they see the influencer and they think like, this is a quick fix. Oh, the I larger yeah. plan is Jacob like going in and saying okay, I'm going to give you a library of photos. Right, and you and, need to build your client base on, on Instagram to be twenty
3: four thousand followers. Exactly. on Exactly. That's the way to go. And this is how, of you know,
0: like it not that you can provide that, but that's a whole these are these are larger issues that um that's people gonna, are just looking for and that's why this whole this article it makes those issues are going to come up sooner than later
3: because you know, as much as I love print and as much as I love like a a, a true portfolio that has 8x10s in it that are glossy and colorful and blah blah blah, that's that's the, you know, that's vintage. That's we're going to see that uh, you know, I hate to say with the record because the record's coming back, right? But, you know, that's like the vintage stuff that it's just not economical anymore. I mean, I shot film for so long. And I used, to, I used to, when I shot concerts, I had two cameras and both had film. And I shot 120 and 35 and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it was like, I can't afford this shit anymore. And nobody can. And especially a restaurant or a mom-and-pop place when you're competing with, you know, a restaurant like a Chili's or an Applebee's or a Friday's who has all this money behind it. And they're putting out all these ads, and they're putting out this content, right? And you're just trying to get out, here's what I have on a, most of the time, but we change up our menu seasonally, or we change up our menu weekly. How can you compete with that, who has the same food on the menu all the time? We always have an awesome Blossom. We always have a, 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 a Blooming Onion, right? How do you compete? No, no, but so, let's think about it. How do you compete with that when you're changing up your menu weekly, and you want to push it out? uh photographically and, and the images you want to push those out on instagram or whatever
0: social media it is more to the point we, we mentioned at the beginning that chartreuse is you've worked with chartreuse i don't know if they're currently your client if it doesn't matter if they are um what kind of work do you do for chartreuse
1: library shoots that's exactly what i do so um i'm actually in the process of a two-part shoot right now we did some stuff earlier uh in the spring and then um now that they're working on their patio, uh, Sandy and Doug decided it would be better to kind of break it into two parts and also kind of hit a couple of different seasonal aspects because they are, you know, so fleeting over there with the menu.
0: And, and so, one thing to keep in mind, I think this is to your point, Vato, it's like they're, they may never recreate the dishes that you shoot ever again, right?
1: Correct. The strawberry uh, soup I I missed out on. I I got in there and Doug sent out this amazing strawberry soup with some crab in it, some crazy basil oil garnish. I was like,
3: mind blown. Doug, you didn't fucking call me, so (laughs) (laughs) I would have taken Instagram of that. Whoa. And I I told him I need to
1: get in here and shoot this. This is absolutely beautiful. I shot it on my phone, obviously, but it's never going to do it justice. Um, You know, it's – and that's where someone that does shoot on a a big – Tank of a camera and knows the difference between you know the quality of your little lens on your phone, um, and you know, and this big camera body that you're putting all this trust in because you know it's going to kick out a great image.
0: And so, do do you see this? Uh, do you see there being a kind of like a, a shift then from this influencer movement towards back to where you you sit like? these kind of library building libraries of photos and having them at your disposal instead of like having this one second of Instagram fame that may occur. Every,
1: every client has its own beast and, and every restaurateur has their own approach to doing this because some really don't have the wherewithal to whether it's making an investment or not. They, they just, they don't know whether it's a visual um, deficiency or just not wanting to prioritize in it because they're already making money. And if it's not broken, don't fix it. That kind of thing. Um, I, I'm working on, uh, developing some business out in Grand Rapids right now. And there's a certain group I've been peeking at and they kick out great food and they have a new restaurant and it's, it's all getting hype. But I look on their website and it just looks like trash, just total (laughs) terrible design. It's not just the photos. It's, it's, the layout of the websites, the the
3: user experience. It's because the emperor has no clothes, right? And they have friends around them that tell them that this is great. Oh, you, you put this out and this is great and you got, a, you know, great decor in the place. Their friends are telling them this. You always I, have think to wonder. That,
2: I think that's part of it. I think sometimes, like, from my experience, it may be just that, like, maybe people don't understand uh, like the digital platforms as well as the physical platforms. Like, if you're a chef, you understand Obviously, designing a kitchen, how to design these dishes, like, but like if you've been,
3: well, if you're a good chef, Steep well, because you can put a fucking pile of meat, ma- yeah. uh, meatloaf on with okay. pork gravy well, on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, the Maya High meatloaf. We know that was a traumatic experience in your life. <laughs> it's, it's still it's <laughs> But the point is I, like
3: I took a big they
2: might not that. they might not look and say like well uh, to me like the website is kind of the digital version it's to me it's a physical space it exists in a digital realm but you can still design that space for like you're saying user experience for clickability for analytics for all these different it's a it's a marketing tool your website that you can use whether it's the interaction with the brand so it's like the aesthetic and certainly the functionality but maybe they don't look at that they just us you know think as long as we put the information out there, you know that's good enough. So I think from from my perspective, talking to clients about digital marketing, man, that's a shitty picture. That's you a good
3: picture. Start. It's the mean loaf end result. Yeah. Uh,
2: talking to you know. In that in that case, like talking to clients is the same way how you were talking about maybe being the creative director and in digital marketing. I mean, let's let's be honest. Food, beverage, hospitality is just now seeing this renaissance. But if you have been cooking in corporate restaurants for a long time and now you're like in this trendy market and you maybe don't even understand Instagram or really Facebook, you don't post yourself. Like you know, your model was never based off that. Maybe the client doesn't understand that. Do you ever turn clients down? Because maybe they just don't—they're not a good match with your vision. Or
1: I'm a freelancer. I, I try to never turn work away. Um, yeah. I one of my main mantras, and it's something that is, you know, true as as I can possibly see it. Is you know they're putting all of this work into making their operation the best that it can be. It's 2017. Get with the times. Get a great website. Yeah. Everything That's on good the web business, right now. Right? Everything on the web right now is image based. You're seeing these big, beautiful, full bleed scroll down photos. And if they're not high res, they look like crap. Um, so you know you can't get away with your Instagram photos on your website, which should be the anchor
3: of your brand. Unless your Instagram photos were shot by me. <laughs> yeah. Are you uprising them to like oh, high res yeah. tiffs? They're awesome. I'm telling you, I'm shooting with like a million DPI, and I'm <laughs> editing them. To the best edit I can do. Composites. All that stuff. beautiful. He
2: wasn't kidding. He said he was going to get in a shouting match. And I he was. He definitely <laughs> came through. I was like, the, why do uh, you
3: think you're better than me? <laughs> yeah.
2: That's
3: that. You're a pro, and I'm a semi-amateur <laughs> I'll pro. stop all that. Uh, <laughs> love it.
0: Love it. So, what does a client uh, initial client meeting look like to you? Like, how, how can you tell immediately if you're going to work with someone, even though you won't turn work away? No, honestly,
1: sometimes you can be talking to someone for months until you realize that um, your their budget doesn't line up with what you feel like you're bringing to the table. Um, and flexibility is always the goal with me, and hopefully other photographers, trying to find that sweet spot where you feel like you're not getting squeezed too hard, but you know they're also getting. A good deal uh, it's 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 really tough and, and constantly we're seeing people you know coming into the market like you're saying um, whether they are straight out of CCS or you know they've got a little bit of assisting experience under the belt sometimes they're shooting for you know a web blog that's popular and will end up handing over those images to the restaurant they shot and hoping that they'll establish a rapport with that that restaurant and and in hopes of being hired back, that's actually happened to me with the same photographer for three clients in a row. Where's and worse, he, he or she. At? Let's go. It's it's hard to see it uh, happen because it's like you put in this work, you know. You see these businesses planting seeds, and you want to get on the ground level, and you feel like you're doing everything you can, and all of a sudden, all that goes out the door when someone hands over some free images, and then that's We're who they want to work with. Her.
0: Uh, so, Jacob, where can people find you online? www.jacoblukow.com If you
2: don't want free images, where can they find you
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lukow is spelled
1: L-E-W-K-O-W It's uh, Polish and shortened.
0: And what's the uh, Instagram account again?
1: At Jacob Lukow Photo and at J Lukow.
0: Alright, Jacob, thanks for being with us. Thank you so yeah, much for having me, guys. This you, awesome. Until next time, dine well, friends. Cheers! Woo!